Luke chapter 16, verse 19, I'm going to be preaching this morning on hell. Hell, a subject that nobody wants to talk about. A subject that's not preached enough. Uh, hell is real. You know, there was a movie that came out not too many years ago, a young, young boy, he had, he had all these, uh, he uh, went to heaven, died, went to heaven, and uh, had these, uh, was seeing people that there's no way he could see. It really, made, it really gave good evidence for an existence of heaven. Because he's seen, a, I think he's seen a granddad or something that he'd never seen before and, and stuff like that and could pick him out. But the point is, is that, uh, and the movie was called Heaven is for Real. And I want to preach this message this morning on hell. And I want to let you and, and assure you before we're done that hell is for real. Hell is for real. And if that's where you're going if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't take any pleasure in saying that. I don't take any pleasure in saying that there's a place called hell that it's an eternal punishment and it's burning in flames and people are burning down there right now. I don't take any pleasure in saying that because I think, I believe I have some loved ones down there. And this should be real to you. Hell should be real to you and it just isn't enough. If hell was as real, it was real to Christians. They couldn't keep us shut up about preaching the gospel of Jesus. There's no way they could shut us up. We'd just be so adamant about it, so adamant about them receiving Jesus Christ and getting into heaven and staying out of hell. So when I say I'm saved, I'm, being saved means you're saved from something. I'm not just saved to heaven. I, yeah, heaven's a great place. I can't wait to go to heaven. I can't wait to see Jesus Christ. But you're saved. Saved implies you're saved from something. And what you're saved from is a devil's hell. Now look at Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 16, excuse me, Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I want to stop right there. I want to preach a message this morning on a missionary from hell. A missionary from hell. And I want to, I want to point out to you that he says I, that thou wouldest, verse 27, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. He wants a missionary sent. And, I, and he says, I, what he wants, he wants them sent. He goes, for I have five brethren that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Now, as, as, as a Bible-believing church, we have missionaries. We support missionaries. And all over the world, we have missionaries that go out. And some of them have come from this church. But we support missionaries, and we, we uh, give them a monthly uh, support. And they're preaching the gospel message all over the known world. But they come from America, and they go all over the known world. I want to point out to you this morning that this missionary would be coming from hell. And I want to show you five things that this missionary, according to this scripture right here, there's five things that this missionary would tell you if I was to open up the door to hell, he was able to come out. There's five things this missionary would be able to preach to you and what he'd want you to know. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, before we get going, Father, we just want to pray for you to bless this message, Lord God. Father, I pray it be your words, not mine, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit will lead God, direct us in all truth, Lord God. And if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice, Father, that doesn't know of a time they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to the heart right now, Lord. Lord, make hell real to them. 
Make the smoke, make the flames, Lord God, very real to them, Lord God. Make their judgment, their upcoming judgment, real to them, Lord. Let them know, Father, in their heart that they're condemned already, according to your Son, Jesus Christ. But, Father, let them know that you have a way out. That you can save them from a devil's hell, Lord God. That Jesus Christ paid for their sins. And if they were willing to call on Jesus Christ to save them, Lord, that you would save them this very moment, Lord God. They wouldn't have to wait till the end of this message. They could get saved right now, Lord. But, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will move, Lord God. Father, I pray that you'll put a hedge of protection around every heart. That the devil can't come in and take that word, Lord God. But, Father, I just pray you make hell real to us. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So going back up to verse 19, going back up, let's go back up to verse 19. Let's break all this down. Let's see what the first thing that this missionary from hell would say. The first thing this missionary from hell would say is, don't trust in your riches. Notice in verse 19, there was a certain rich man. Now Jesus is telling this, and Jesus is telling this, and people say, this is a parable. This is not a parable. This is a story, because he's using names. He goes on to say Lazarus, and there was a certain beggar, verse 20, named Lazarus. Jesus isn't telling a parable. He's telling a story. He's telling you names, but he never mentions the rich man's name. It's, it implies, like Jesus Christ said, there'll come a time when they come to the door and they'll knock, and he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. Now, Jesus Christ knows everybody. He's talking about, I never knew you in a sense of a relationship. I never knew you. He knows this rich man. He knows everything about this rich man, but he doesn't want to call him by name because he doesn't know him. He knows Lazarus. And this rich, this rich man, the first thing he would tell you as a missionary from hell, he'd tell you, don't trust in your riches. Because he was clothed in purple and fine linen. He had all the best clothes. He had all the best food, and he fared sumptuously every day. Every day was a good day for him. You could say he lived in a mansion. Look, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores. They knew each other. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. So this poor uh, beggar, Lazarus, is laying there, no money. Uh, he has no good health. And this rich man, there's no doubt this rich man would come out of his gate living in this mansion and you see that poor beggar there and he'd just shake his head and say, well, he needs to get a job. His lazy bum needs to get a job. That's, that's pitiful. And he probably would, sometimes maybe he'd get some of his servants to come out there and try to move Lazarus out of the gate so he could walk through there. Guys, this rich man had it all. And this rich man as he's in hell would come and tell you as a missionary from hell, don't trust in your riches. Don't trust in your social standing. I don't care if you're the president of the United States, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're going to hell. I don't care if you're a mayor, a professor, a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, a I remember hearing the story, I think Brother Packer told me this story, that he, he was out there in the, in the rich neighborhoods down in Houston, and he was knocking on the doors, and uh, this, I think it was, a, 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 I don't know if it was a doctor's wife or who it was, but this lady came to the door, I think it was a lady came to the door, and, he, and that lady told him, said, uh, why don't you go to the poor neighborhoods, they're the ones that need this. Go to the poor neighborhoods, they're the ones that need this. We think this, that gets in our mind. That same thinking gets in our mind. We'll see somebody, and we'll see somebody dressed a certain way, and we'll say, they need a gospel track. And we'll see somebody walk out, and they've got a, they got a suit on, they've got a tie, and you automatically assume they've got everything going for them. They might in this world have everything going for them, like this rich man, but they're still doomed and damned to a devil's hell. They're still going to hell. Don't trust in your riches, because you know what, why you don't trust in your riches? The country music singers, they sing about this stuff. Rock and roll singers sing about this. At the very next verse, verse 22, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. What happened next? The rich man also died and was buried. We're all going to die. Trusting in your riches, your riches aren't going to buy you out of hell. If, if there really was, uh, well, let me go on. Let me move on. Look at verse 13. Go, go down to verse 13. Let's see what Jesus Christ has to say about all this. Go, we're in the same chapter, chapter 16. Look at verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. This is Jesus Christ speaking. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. He says you're either going to love me or you're going to love riches. You're either going to love God or you're going to love riches. We're in a world that they keep stressing to you to put your love, put your heart on riches. Do everything you can to get rich. Go to college. 
you know, work your way up the ladder. You do whatever it takes to be rich. Do whatever it takes to get that car, to get that house. Do whatever it takes. And Jesus Christ, through his whole ministry, says you need to do whatever it takes to get to God. You need to do whatever it takes to find God. You need to do whatever it takes to love God. That was Jesus Christ's message is the total opposite of the world's message. And then they got on to him in verse 14. Then the Pharisees also, who were covetous, they wanted everything. They just coveted everything. Heard all these things and they derided him. They didn't like what Jesus Christ was saying. And the world doesn't like what I'm preaching. They don't like this stuff. But look at verse 15. Jesus Christ straightens them out. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Yeah, before men everything looks all right. But God knoweth your hearts. If you're listening to me, I might not know your heart, but God knows your heart. God knows what's really going on in your heart, where your heart's at. And look what Jesus Christ says. You underline this, you can mark this, get, take an take a ink pen and underline this in your Bible. For that, this is what Jesus Christ said, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. So when you turn on your TV and you see all these celebrities, you see all this stuff that's pushed by the media, pushed by the TV, pushed by the world. It's this, and they just push it and push it and push it and push it. Jesus Christ said, see that right there? That's an abomination to God. And it shouldn't take you much of a Christian to understand that. And a rich man would tell you exactly what Jesus Christ is telling you. You need to stop worrying about riches. You need to start seeking for God. Amen. Start putting your heart toward God. Because this is what's going to happen. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. Look at verse 23. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Let me point out to you that when he was, it says he's buried in verse 22, and then he, in his soul, he lifted up his eyes. His soul has eyes. You're going to see his soul has a tongue. You're going to see your soul looks a lot like your body. And when your, your body goes into a grave, we have a graveyard right outside this church. When your body goes into that graveyard, your soul is going to go to one or two places. It's either going to be carried up to heaven like Lazarus was, or you're going to go back, be like the rich man, go down into a devil's hell. One or two places. One or two places you're going to go when your soul leaves your body. When, you, when you're buried, so any kind of Jehovah's Witness comes knocking on your door. And they start talking to you, and they say, well, we don't, we, there's no hell. There's, and they'll tell you, well, hell, hell's not real. And I had one of these, uh, these older ladies come up when I was a young man, very, very young man, very young Christian, came by my door, knocked on my door. And I said, well, y'all don't believe in hell. She said, well, uh, and my son was there, and we had a Dearborn heater there by, by the door. And my, uh, that lady said, your son right there? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, if he did something, if he, if he disobeyed you, would you take his hand and put it into that fire? I said, no. Then why would you think God would do that to you? And I didn't know what to say. I was a young Christian. I hadn't studied my Bible very well, but God is good. God is good. Amen. Holy Spirit came in. Holy Spirit said, say this. Amen. And I said, uh, would you drown your son if he misbehaved? She said, my, no. I said, then why did God drown all those people in the flood? Her face got so red she had no answer. Here's the truth. I didn't have any answer at that time either. <laughs> I just knew the question to ask, but I've got the answer now. Amen. I've got the answer. I've, I've studied my Bible a whole lot more than some stupid Jehovah's Witness. Listen to me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, Lord and Savior, you're not born again. You're not a child of God. Amen. And for you to think that everybody's a child of God is not found in these scriptures right here. You've got to be born again. Once you're born again, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Once you're born again, you become a child of God, you become a son of God, become part of the family of God. Without the new birth, you're still walking around like a dead man. You're condemned. You're not part of Jesus Christ. You're not part of God's family. You're not part of His. And when you stand before Him, you're not going to stand before a God who's your father. You're going to stand before a God who's your judge, and He's a righteous judge. He's going to judge you and condemn you to a devil's hell. But if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, your sins are covered, your sins are forgiven. Any kind of sins you have now towards God, they're not between God that's a judge and you as a sinner, they're between you as a son and God as a father. 
And whereas a judge cannot show mercy, a judge cannot show grace, a father can give you all the grace and mercy he has. You say, it's okay, son, come on up here. I forgive you. Everything's going to be okay. A judge can't forgive you. A judge can only say, the law says this and this and this. Guilty. Throw him into hell. You're not part of the family of God. You need to be part of the family of God. That's why Jesus Christ stressed it over and over again. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You must be. Ye must be. He didn't say you must be. You would have been, he's speaking to Nicodemus. See how you don't like that word ye in that King James Bible? It needs to be in there. That ye is plural. That ye means ye. He said, Nicodemus, not just you. Everybody must be born again. That's what that ye is, is the plural you. In Texas, we say you all. You all must be born again. Y'all must be born again. Are you? Amen. I know I am. I'm, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know what's going on in my heart. I'm born again. I'm saved. Am I a good Christian? I didn't say that. Do I do everything that's right for God? I did not say that. Am I a child of God? Yeah, I might be black sheep of the family, but I'm still part of the family of God. Praise the Lord. And it don't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. And hell is a real place. It's a place. This missionary right here, verse 23, this missionary from hell, the, first, the second thing he would tell you is, hell is not only a place, it's a real place. It's a place of torments. And it's a place of flames. Verse 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, what? That he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Man, that's sobering. That's sobering. To think that all he wants is for this Lazarus to come, just take his finger and dip it in this water. That's all, that's all he wants. He didn't say, tell Lazarus to bring me a gallon of water. Tell Lazarus to bring, no, just bring his finger and dip it. Just dip, that, that's enough that that would ease his pain. Unbelievable. You know, I've always been interested, maybe because I was a young kid, I watched a lot of TV growing up, but I've always been interested in near-death experiences. And I always thought that was interesting how they'd, they'd, they'd be above the operating table sometimes and there'd be a bright light and they'd go into the bright light. And there's all these different stories about people having near-death experiences. But as I, got, as I became a Christian and as I got saved and I started studying the Bible, I got interested. I was like, man, there's, I wonder why nobody's, if these are real experiences, why aren't people experiencing hell? Well, they were. <laughs> You're just not hearing about it. You're not hearing about it, guys. There's a book. I, I've got this book right here. I got it at home. You're more welcome to borrow it from me. It's called To Hell and Back. Near-death death, death experiences where people go at life after death where they experienced hell. This book's written by Rawlings. Here's his experience. I'm going to read this to you. This is his experience. This is what brought him to write this book. This is a doctor. He was a medical doctor. This is what brought him to write this book. I'll tell you his story. He has a guy come into his office. They're running this test on his heart. His heart stops. So he gets in there, and he's, he's starting to do the CPR like they do in his heart, and that guy wakes up, and the guy says, I reach over to start him up again, but this time he was screaming the words, Don't stop, I'm in hell, I'm in hell, don't stop. He said, hallucinations. This guy's hallucinating, I thought. He said, but he was saying the opposite. For God's sake, don't stop. Don't you understand? Every time you let go, I'm back in hell. It shook him up. He asked me to pray for him. I told him to shut up. He said, I, I'm a doctor. I'm not a minister or a psychiatrist. And then he said, the, the nurse looked at him like, you better do something. <laughs> so he said, uh, I made him repeat this make-believe prayer. He says it's a make-believe prayer. He said, just, hey, just say it. Say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Go on and say it. And say, keep me out of hell. And if I live, I'm on the hook. I'm yours. Go on and say it. He said, then a very strange thing happened. That changed our lives. A religious conversion experience took place. I had never witnessed one before. He was no longer the wild-eyed, screaming, combative lunatic who had been fighting me for his life. He was relaxed and calm and cooperative. It frightened me. I was shaken by these events. Not only had that make-believe prayer, prayer blown out the soul of this guy, but it backfired and got me too. 
Since then, Charlie, this guy Charlie has outlived three permanent peacemakers. Don't say make-believe prayers don't work. They can work. And it led this man to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Another testimony of a guy said he, he, was, he was on the operating table. He died. He said, I was, guided, I was guided to the place in the spirit world called hell. This is a place of punishment for all those who reject Jesus Christ. I not only saw hell, but felt the torment that all who go there will experience. The darkness of hell is so intense that it seems to have a pressure per square inch. It is an extremely black, dismal, desolate, heavy, pressurized type darkness. It gives the individual a crushing, despondent feeling of loneliness. The heat is a dry, dehydrating type. Your eyeballs are so dry they feel like red hot coals in their sockets. Your tongue and lips are parched and cracked with the intense heat. The breath from your nostrils as well as the air you breathe feels like a blast from a furnace. The exterior of your body feels as though it were encased with a white hot stove. The interior of your body has a sensation of scorching hot air being forced through it. The agony and loneliness of hell cannot be expressed clearly enough for proper understanding to the human soul. It has to be experienced. That's a man that had a near-death experience that went on to hell. The sense, another man said the sensation of horror was so great, it choked me. It choked me. Near-death experiences where people die and they think they went to hell. I believe them. I believe them. This doctor wrote in here, this Dr. Rollins wrote in here, he said, when death is chasing you in the emergency room, there is no atheist. When death is chasing you in the emergency room, there is no atheist. There's another brother that wrote this book, 23 Minutes in Hell. He believes that God took him down in hell, and he spent 23 minutes down in hell. His name's Bill Wise. He wrote a book about it. One, one, one man's story about what he saw, heard, and felt in the place of torment. On the back, he says this, simply this, Even if you don't believe my story, I hope you will believe the Scriptures and avoid hell just the same. There's testimony after testimony of people saying, Yeah, I died. I died. And I experienced the hell. And God sends them back as a testimony. They're missionaries from hell. They come out to tell you. This is what they would tell you. Hell's no boo-boo place. Hell's no place where you pop a top. Hell's no place where you're going to have a beer bash. Hell's a place of torment. Hell's a place of loneliness. Uh, uh, Brother Gary has, a, has a, uh, a bumper sticker on the back of his car. It said, the party in hell has been canceled due to fire. Amen. It has been canceled. There isn't going to be no partying down in hell. This man right here, Lazarus, this man, Rick, the rich man right here would tell you, hey, I'm in torment in this flame. Amen. I'm tormented in this flame. And it's nonstop. Please, just bring, just take your finger and dip it in. Please, anything, get me out of here. And we make fun of hell. We use hell as a curse word. We uh, use hell in every way but the way it should be used, as a frightening thing that we should be afraid of. Amen. We're afraid of everything else. We're afraid of the, the, the virus. We're afraid of the government taking away our liberty. We're afraid of, I mean, we're afraid of cancer. I'm, I'm afraid of all these things. And Jesus Christ said, don't be afraid of a man that can kill your body and can't do anything to your soul. I'll tell you who to fear. Jesus Christ said, you fear him, he can destroy your body and your soul in hell. Amen. Listen to that, J.W., Jehovah's Witness. Listen to that. It's not just your body. Your body, you don't just die and you go in the grave and that's it. No, no, no. You wish that was it. You're going to answer for your sins. Either you're going to answer for them or a man named Jesus Christ will pay for them. One of the two. Amen. I don't want to answer for mine. I don't care how good you've been, you can't answer for them. You can't answer for them. There is no way. I had a Jehovah's Witness knock on my door. I got to talk to her, witnessing to her, talking about hell. And, uh, and we got to talk about hell being the grave. She goes, yes, hell's the grave. I said, well, I got a question for you then. In the Bible, when it talks about hellfire, what is grave fire? If, grave, if, if hell is a grave, what is grave fire? And she got this look on her face, and she just looked at me. She goes, I never thought about that before. I never thought about that before. Yeah, there's probably a lot of this stuff you've never thought of before. Jesus Christ, he talked more about hell than he did heaven. Amen. 
He quoted scripture on hell a lot more than he's quoted scripture on anything else in the Old Testament. You need to, if you don't believe me, you don't have to take the words of this preacher. Just open up a Bible and start in the New Testament. Just start the New Testament and just read. Just read. Read for yourself. And you know what you're going to find out? Jesus Christ is talking about hell a lot. He's quoting scripture about hell. And to him, to Jesus Christ, when he's telling this story, hell is real. Hell is a real place. Brother Adams was talking to me after church Wednesday night. We got to talking, and he said that he was dealing with some man. He said, I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God, and I don't believe in Christ. And if I see one of them, I'm going to spit in their face. I'm going to spit in their face. Don't look like you're going to have a lot of spit to spit right there, brother. I think it says that he just would just a, dip, just a dip, little dip of water, just off the finger, put it on my tongue. The last thing you're going to be worried about is spitting in somebody's face. Amen. You're going to be screaming out in agony, why did I listen? Why did I listen? Why did I listen? As the flames wrap around you. As you had your loved ones try to convince you to go to church, try to convince you to turn to Jesus Christ, try to get you to go to heaven, try to tell you, and you saw the testimony of Christians living a happy, glorious, peace-filled life, and you would reject it and turn to the world. Amen. Just turn everything away from God and just turn to the world. I'll take that. I'll take the bright lights. I'll take the sex, the sex and the drugs and the alcohol. I'll take all the stuff that the world offers me. And Jesus Christ, that'll come from when I get older. But nobody's promised you tomorrow. I dreamt about my friend that died when a joker knows about it. I, I dreamt about my friend last night. Dreamt about that room he died in, got killed in. He was a young man. He's only like 15 years old. I dreamt about him last night. And I got to thinking, like I've thought many, many years did he make it to heaven? And I put my, I lean my authority on the word of God and I try to say, well, maybe he was under the age of accountability because I knew he wasn't a Christian. Maybe he was under the age of accountability. Maybe he made it. Maybe he made it to heaven. But I don't know. And that's a sad thing. Amen. When you have a loved one and you don't know. There's not a lot to hold on to. It'd be a lot better if, if, if I'd seen and could remember a time where he said, yeah, I, I took Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know I'm saved. Man, that, that's, such a, that's such a blessed thing to hear as a family member, as a loved one. But I've got a dad that died, got murdered, and I don't know. Am I preaching about his place right now? I don't know. I can't, I can't promise you that. I can't, I, nobody can promise. I won't know until I get to the other side. Will I find him in heaven? I don't know. I had an uncle tell me that he was looking at a Bible, had a Bible with him right before he got murdered, carried it with him. Is that enough? That's not enough. You've got to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. It's a little bit to hang my hat on. It's just a little bit. It's a little bit. I pray and hope he is. But to know a loved one come up to you and say, I'm saved. To see them living a Christian life, to see them going to church, see them living the Christian life, and to not only be, say that they're a Christian, but to have the fruit to show it. Amen. That's a blessedness. Amen. That's a blessing right there. It's a for I'm a tormented in this flame. Verse 25, where Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Well, what I don't like about that verse right there, it says remember, verse 25. You're not going to get down to hell and forget everything. That will be one of the points of hell. I know one time Billy Graham had said uh, hell was kind of just a separation from God. No, it, it's, it's more than a separation from God. It's a tormented place. It's a place of flame. But it also is a place of regret. Eternal regret of knowing it was right there in your mouth, right there. You could have just said, I believe and receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And that old devil tricked you. He fooled you. And that flesh that you were trusted in so much, as you got older, it started falling apart on you. And you had a chance. God gave you a chance, and you rejected him. And as you got a lot older, you started getting into where you were having to go into the hospital, and maybe you were getting close to having to go into the nursing home, and God gave you another chance, and 
You rejected it. And then you took your last breath in fear and trembling, not knowing what was going to happen to you, and you woke up in a devil's hell like the rich man. And when you realize, after you start realizing that you're in this place and it's burning and it's hot and there's torment and you're in such pain, if you have any time to think, any time to meditate, any time to stop and think about things, you'll regret all those times that somebody witnessed to you and you said no. And you laughed them off. And you joked about it. The truth is, for a lost man, this is as close to heaven as he's ever going to get. This world right here. For a lost man, and woman, this is as close to heaven. This world we're living in is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. When they sing their songs, heaven is, heaven is a place on earth. They sing those songs like that. And they talk about we can find heaven on earth and this, that. Yeah, that's you. That's you. That's it. This is it. Heaven right here. This is heaven for you right here. But for a lost man, I mean for a saved man, for somebody like me, this is as close to hell as I'm ever going to get. Amen. This is hell for me. From here on out, it just gets better. <laughs> just gets a lot better. Likewise, Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Verse 26, And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. The third, the third thing he would tell you, the third thing this man would tell you, this missionary from hell, he would tell you is you're never going to get out. You're never going to get out. There's no such thing as purgatory. Don't believe that religious nonsense. You're not going to just die and some priest or some loved one's going to pray you out of there. Or somebody's going to, if you're a Mormon, somebody's going to get baptized and going to give you an opportunity to receive it. Why? No, 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 no. That's not biblical. That's not authority. That's not what the Bible teaches. Once you, take, once you die, once you take your last breath, your soul's going to go one or two places. There's no holding place. There's no place called purgatory. Once you get into hell, you're in there and you're stuck in there. This man, I, I was reading a story about a man that wouldn't receive Jesus Christ. They kept witnessing to him. He kept blowing them off. Then one night he had a dream. God works through dreams. And he's dreaming and uh, he dreams he's in hell. Man, he's being tormented. And man, it's real to him. And he's in there and he's being tormented. And in the back of his mind, he thought, you know, this is only a dream. I can get, I'm going to wake up out of this. In the back of his mind, he had reasoned with himself in this dream as he's dreaming of hell and being tormented. He's dreaming in the back of his mind, I'm going to wake up and get out of this. And then he looked up on the wall, there was a clock. Up on the wall, there was a clock. And on that clock, he looked, and there were no hands on that clock. It was a clock without hands. And then he woke up. And he realized that was eternity. A clock on the wall with no hands was God's way of saying, you're going to be in hell. It won't be a dream, and it will be for eternity. No hands. No hands on the clocks in hell. It's forever. Verse 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of Torment. So he wants to send out. He wants to send them. He wants to send somebody out to do it. But he wants to. What, what's he want? To, what's he want? To, what, what does he want to accomplish? Excuse me. He wants to accomplish verse twenty-eight. For I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. If I could come down here and I can open up this this floor and there was a gate to hell and I can open it up, I wish I could. Oh, I wish I could. What kind of video would that make for YouTube and for Facebook? <laughs> that, would, that would go viral. Oh, preacher opens up the gates of hell. People can hear people screaming and hollering. Smoke comes out, fire. You know, there, there, was, there, was, ten, there was ten repentances and 1,000 million revivals. You know, just, the, the revival will break out. God's not going to do it. He's warned you. But if we could... And this rich man could preach from hell. This is what he would preach. Don't come down here. Amen. That's what he would preach. If I could open up that door to hell and there were some of your loved ones, those that are lost, those that are lost, maybe you had an uncle that was lost and y'all joked around about 
partying in hell and we're going to drink some beers down in hell and ha 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 hell this and ha 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 hell that and that old uncle or the old granddad died if I could open up the door of hell and let you look at him he would look at you square in the face and say don't come down here I was wrong I'm tormented don't come down here don't come down here I love you I love you. I love you. Repent. Take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't come down here. I think it's very, very interesting that you read through the story of the rich man he never asked to get out. He says, send Lazarus. He knows he's not getting out. He knows he's not getting out. His only concern is that his loved ones don't come down there where he's at. Oh, if I could just be with my brother. I don't care where he's at. I just want to be with my brother. Not if he's in hell. And your brother don't want you down there with him. That's the testimony. I can't speak for your brother, but I'm giving you the testimony of another brother who had five other brothers that says, I don't want him down here with me. No, no, no. Send somebody. Send somebody. Plead with them. Don't come down here. No. Five, five brethren, that he may testify to them, they, lest they also come into this place of torment. Verse 29, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Woo! They got the Bible. They got the Bible. I don't need to open up the gates of hell. I don't need to see that. They don't need to see a vision of hell. They got the Bible. There you go right there. They got the Bible. That's what he's saying. That's what Abraham's saying. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Verse 30. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went, with, went unto them from the dead, they will repent. You would think it. You have a loved one that died that come back and come back and said, Hey, I'm in, I'm in Abraham's bosom. I'm in heaven. Take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh, man. They would repent. They would take Jesus. That's what you believe. That's not what the Bible teaches. Look what it says. He said unto, them, unto him, unto the rich man, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Amen. Amen. The last thing this missionary from hell would preach to you, if he could come up, he would preach. The last thing he would preach is, he would plead with you to believe the word of God. The Bible. He'd tell you to believe it. He'd tell you to believe it. You know, one of the greatest testimonies of Jesus Christ is his resurrection. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. But it amazes to me how many people don't even believe he even existed much less walk on this earth, or much less even came up from the... They for sure don't believe that. Why is it so important to believe the Word? Because if somebody was... If your loved one was to not go through this back door, come in this back door and say, Jesus Christ is real, you can get to heaven if you take Jesus Christ. You turn around and see your loved one, you'll be just like, oh, Ebenezer Scrooge. What happened when he seen old Marley come back from the dead? And, uh, and you remember the story of the Christmas carol? What happened when he seen old Marley show up in his house? He goes, oh, I must have been eating some bad potatoes. <laughs> Man, you know, he didn't even pay attention to him. He said, like, well, I'm, I'm seeing a vision. That's exactly what you would do. Amen. You old dirty, rotten sinner. You dirty, rotten sinner, that's exactly what you'd do. You'd make up an excuse. Oh, it must have been, that, that somebody's playing a trick on me. Somebody's got a video camera. Somebody, you'd think of every other way to get out of it. But when you got something black and white, Spoken. What makes this prophecy? What makes this the word of God? What makes this the prophecy so amazing is that it is true. You can read these words that were no doubt about it were written hundreds to thousands of years ago, and they're coming true right before your very eyes. Amen. That's how you believe. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Amen. You want faith in Jesus Christ? You got to hear the word of God. You got to hear the word of God. Preach. So he would beg with you. He would plead with you. Please believe. Please believe. The truth is, sin didn't send this rich man down into hell. It's a rejection of Jesus Christ. What sends a man down into hell is not sin. Sin's going to send everybody to hell. Sin is what sends everybody to hell. But it's not sin itself that sends them to hell. It's a sin of omission. In other words, he omitted the, the cure. 
The cure, the cure is Jesus Christ. Somebody comes in your office and says, I have cancer. You, the doctor has an office, a guy comes in, the doctor says, you have cancer. And the doctor says, but I've got a cure. Here it is, right here. And you say, I don't want that cure. And you walk out of his office, and then a couple years later, you die of that cancer. Well, you can't blame that doctor. You died of cancer. He had the cure. You died. You really didn't die of cancer. You died because you didn't take the cure. It's a sin of omission. It's not receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The only difference between me and a lost man going to a devil's hell is I took Jesus Christ. That's the only difference. Because there's a lot of men that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're a lot better men than me. A lot more righteous. They do a lot better acts. They can speak better. They actually are kinder. I'm not very kind. I'm not very nice. My sister's back there laughing at me. I'm not very kind or nice. I mean, people who grew up around me know, and my wife knows, I'm not kind and nice. I mean, if I had opportunity, I would kill half the people around me. But I don't because of Jesus Christ in me. I mean, if I did not have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, there is absolutely no doubt I'd be in, in jail right now. No doubt about it. I'd be in prison. No doubt about it. It's amazing that the Lord has took this old rotten, no good sinner and put me up here to preach. I think the Lord just does it so he can have a good laugh every once in a while. Like, hey, let's, let's find out what they're doing over there. Let's get a good laugh, see what Keegan's doing over there. Just get a good laugh. But the truth's the truth. And I don't want you listening to me. I want you to read and listen to the book. Amen. That's why I focus so much on Scripture and keep going back and reading Scripture. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They won't believe. They won't believe. I, I went uh, In closing, I was uh, street preaching down in Pensacola with old Chad Reese. God bless that brother, Chad Reese. He's got a good church up in the Michigan area. And Brother Chad Reese, we were down there street preaching. This guy came down, came along, was uh, talking to Chad Reese. And uh, I, I don't know if I was preaching or what was going on, Mark, Mark Smith, whoever it was. But Chad Reese was talking to this man. I overheard this man say, what are y'all doing out here? What are y'all doing out here? And Chad Reese said, well, we're trying to preach the gospel, trying to warn people about that there's a devil's hell waiting on them. There's hell waiting on them. And that guy says, that, that's, that's stupid. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. The guy was really giving Chad a hard time. Chad said, well, it's like this. Chad Reese said, it's like this. If you're in this two-story house, and you're on the top floor, and I walk by the road, and I look over at that house, and you're on the top floor, and I look down, and there's a fire on the first floor that you obviously can't see, and it's a fire. It's my duty to stop and say, there's a fire underneath you. There's a fire. And if you came to that window and said, what? I said, there's a fire under you, you're going to burn. Under you, there's a, you better get out. There's a fire you're going to burn. And you say, I don't believe you. Do you think, Chad, said, Chad Reese said, do you think I would just keep on walking and say, well, okay, that's just enough of that? No, I would get louder. And I'd be more obnoxious. And I would be everything you don't like to get your attention to say, there's a fire underneath you. You're going to burn that's what Christians are doing for a lost man. We're, that's what we're doing. That's why we're offensive to you. That's why we offend you. That's why we do crazy stuff. That's why as this church goes out and holds street signs on the corner, we want to offend you. We want to warn you there's a hell. There's a fire underneath you. And you might drive by and say, oh, look at them idiots. They're so stupid. I don't believe any of that nonsense. All that does is make me want to say, hey, man, let me talk to you more about it then. Maybe I'm not doing a good enough job. Let me somebody else talk to you about Jesus Christ because you need Jesus Christ because there is a devil's hell. Amen. There is a hell. I've only told this story maybe twice in my ministry. It's a story that Phil Kidd told. A preacher Phil Kidd, evangelist, crazy, screamer, he screams, hollers, everything. You, ever want, you want to hear some good preaching, go look for Phil Kidd. Just type in Phil Kidd. But remember, I warned you. <laughs> He's crazy. You think I'm crazy? He's crazy. He told the story that uh, this family had a, had a young daughter in the church, teenage daughter. And they would bring her into the church, and, and, and the dad was dealing with her, and the dad kept talking to her about Jesus Christ, wanting her to get saved, and she wouldn't get saved. So one day, the, the, the dad talked to her and said, Would you let, at least let me let you talk to the pastor? So the pastor and the dad, they got there in the back in, in the office, and they got to talking to her, and the pastor was witnessing to her, and the pastor said, I could see conviction on her. She's very, very convicted. Very convicted. 
And he said, uh, do you want to receive Jesus Christ? She said, I think I do. He said, well, let, let's do it. Let's bow your head. Let's pray. Let's ask Jesus Christ. She goes, no, I'm going to wait till, wait till the service. It was an evening service. She goes, let's wait till the service, and you give the invitation. You give the invitation. Pastor said, okay, okay. Didn't want to force her. Gets through preaching that Sunday service. Gets through preaching Sunday service. Gives the invitation. He sees her in the back, and he sees her make a move. She starts walking down the aisle. He starts smiling. She's coming down here to take Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She gets about halfway down that aisle, and she just stops. She says, no! And she just turns and walks back. The dad was devastated. That went on for a little while, a couple of weeks. She got moved again. The Lord spoke to her heart again. She come about halfway down the aisle. And her dad got excited. Her dad said she's finally going to go take Jesus Christ. She got about halfway down the aisle. She grabbed the side of her head. And she said, no, no. She turned around. There was something she didn't want to give up for Jesus Christ. There's something she thought she was going to have to give up for Jesus Christ. A couple weeks later, her dad's following her. She was old enough teenager to drive. Her dad's following her down the road. And she, the, she's in front of her dad. There's a wreck. She goes off the side of the road. She flips. The car flips and tumbles. The car catches, bursts into flame. The dad pulls over the side of the road, jumps out of the car, runs over there. Her, her dad, her, she's in the car. The car's in flames. She's screaming, Daddy, 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 it burns. It burns. And she's like, Baby. And he tried to get close to the car, and he couldn't get to the car. The flames were so hot. And he said, Baby, call out for Jesus. Call out for Jesus. She said, No. She burned alive. And as far as we know, she's burning today. Because she wouldn't receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. You know why I'm a preacher? It's not to shake people's hands at the end of church service. It's not to do, pre not to do funerals, not to do weddings. The reason why I'm a preacher is to warn people about hell. That's what saved me. It was a preacher preached, and I walked down the aisle, and I got saved. He was preaching on hell. Now, you might be offended this morning, and I don't care. I want you saved. I want to meet you in heaven. The last thing I want to do is be up in heaven looking around and, where's so-and-so? And somebody come over to me and said, nah, they didn't make it. Well, I, I, I witnessed to them. They were in church. I preached to them. I, I seen them in the church. They didn't make it. They didn't make it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know we're just wicked sinners, Father. We do thank you, Father, that you give us escape, Lord. You give us a way out, Lord God, through Jesus Christ, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, if somebody's mocking, making fun of, Lord God, your place called hell, Father, I pray you come in with the Holy Spirit so strong on them, Lord God, and make it real to them. Father, I don't want to see anybody go to hell. Lord, I don't want to waste my time preaching, Father God, when people are just laughing and going to hell. Lord God, please, Father, give us some fruit. Lord, I pray, Father, that somebody underneath the sound of my voice, Lord God, would get saved. Would know the truth, Lord God, and Father, if anything, Lord, they'll look on that clock on the wall, Lord God, and realize it's for eternity. It's a clock without hands. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, that your son Jesus Christ would be real to them, Lord God, that he would be real to them as a Savior as a resurrected Savior, Lord God, and they know and realize that they can call out to Him the best way they know how and ask Him to save them, Lord, and you'll save them. Lord, if I have a Christian underneath the sound of my voice, Father God, that's not, not a very strong witness, they're not very courageous, Lord God, Father, let's pray you give them the strength, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. In this last time, Lord, we're, we're going, it's obvious we're living in the last days, Lord God. Give us a voice, Lord. Help us be your mouthpiece, Lord, to, to scream out that there's a fire, that there's a fire. And people are going to burn, and they need Jesus Christ. But Lord, you could have just let us burn, Father. We deserve it, but you gave us a way out through Jesus Christ, and I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you right now, Lord, personally, for my salvation I found in Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for all the peace and grace you've given me all these years, Lord God. Thank you so much, Lord. And Lord, if, we're dealing with, if somebody's dealing with the, the, the idea, Lord God, that maybe one of their loved ones didn't know Jesus and they're down in hell and they don't want to receive Jesus because they, they don't know what, the, the, their loved one didn't do it, Lord. I want you to make them realize, Lord, that if you could open up the gates for them, their loved one would say, please don't come down here. Don't come down here.
In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go. Let's have an invitation. That's what the Lord has laid on your heart. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to get saved. This is your opportunity. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon him.